At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep for Israel. Here with Dennis Dick, again, Joel will be back with us on Monday. Well, today is going to be a very interesting and important day, I think. Today is the first real test of this rally we've had dating back to early November, mid-November. The first real test to that coming today, uh, turbulence in Iraq. We'll talk about that and the reactions. Uh, There are a lot of them. Uh, across the market here. S&P futures are down 1%. Gold is up, as you'd expect. Oil is up. Bitcoin up 6% this morning. Uh, lots of stocks volatile off of this, uh, these headlines. The defensive names, we know that. The airliners, so a lot to get to on our show. There is some other news, but this this turbulence in, in the Middle East and in Iraq is going to be the dominant theme uh, of the day here. We will be joined at 8.35 by our guest, Chris Temple, who's editor and publisher of The National Investor. Uh, but again, like I mentioned, the theme of the day is uh, reactions to the overnight news about a uh, U.S. bombing in Iraq. So let's bring Dennis on. Dennis, uh, good morning. I imagine it was a volatile after hours session for you, you know what it wasn't it was funny it was very quiet because this most of this happened after eight o'clock when spy is closed so the futures if you're a futures trader like mr jeremy newsom out there if you're listening jeremy good job last night i know he was taking a short on on this news but i shut her down at eight o'clock and the futures were absolutely doing nothing i heard about some bombings right before the eight o'clock close was coming through that there was some bombings but you know you think bombings over um, over in the Middle East isn't nothing uncommon. Uh, but then, you know, you start getting more details coming in, the future start tanking, you realize, okay, well, now we're into something serious because somebody big was killed. So give us, you know, just the timeline right. on what's happened and transpired here in the last week to make the U.S. go into these airstrikes. So exactly. Everything is a reaction to something else. But this most recent string of events dates back really to over the weekend when the U.S., um, 
uh, had there was there was a bomb, a U.S. bombing over the weekend that killed 24 members of an Iranian-backed militia. As a result of that, protesters stormed the U.S. embassy compound in Baghdad on Tuesday, and as a result of that, last night we got uh, an airstrike in Iran, Iraq, excuse me, that killed. Uh, uh, Major General uh, Qassam Soleimani, he was the leader of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. He was a, uh, a big fish, and so you don't often get uh, uh, people of his caliber uh, killed in these bombings. And so that is, that's the big news today uh, that we got uh, Qassam Soleimani, uh, and now all of a sudden tensions are escalating in a matter of days. We, we've gone from... Uh, I guess relatively a relatively quiet uh, geopolitical landscape. To all of a sudden, the U.S. is the U.S. is encouraging uh, any Americans in Iraq to get out of the country. Dougie Cass always says risk happens fast, and that's exactly what we have saw here overnight. With that being said, let's put the sell-off into perspective. We are simply giving back yesterday's gains. I mean, we are now trading just to where we were back on the 31st so we had a really good first day of the year and we're giving it back here this morning the question is like you were saying it's a huge test do they come in and buy this dip they already are this morning because we are substantially off the lows in the futures we're also substantially off the lows in some of your market leaders like apple apple's already rallied almost three points from the lows so you are seeing them already come in and buy the dip. Does that continue? What happens when the real money comes in at 930? Is there some nervous Nellies out there? Are we going to war? There's a lot of questions to be answered, but we know this market likes to climb a wall of worry. So I'm not just going to jump in and start liquidating my portfolio because, you know, there's potential that we could be going to war here uh, because every time I've liquidated or any time I've reduced my exposure to the markets, it's been a mistake. Right. So, you know, as a trader, you got to be able to go both ways. And like in my trading account, I talk about a lot. I try to stay hedged. I try to stay hedged overall and, you know, and to eliminate, you know, the risk of an event like this or the overall market risk. In my long-term portfolio, I stay long. So here's the question, and you know, we can just go again here, is um, are we going to war is a big question. And that's what the market is kind of worried about here this morning, and you can clearly see it not only in the stocks, but in the stocks that are trading higher and the stocks that are trading lower. So for instance, all of your defense stocks, and think there's the big four, Lockheed Martin, LMT, Raytheon, RTN, NOC, Northrop Grumman, and General Dynamics, uh, which is GD. All of those stocks are trading substantially higher here this morning, up 1%, 2%. So, and those are your war stocks, your classic war stocks. Yep, and uh, it, just in line with that same theme, oil. Oil. And, and, oil and, and, any defensive name will be up today. Oil, gold. Um, well, I, I guess that's pretty much it. Oil always goes up in war yeah. times. So do those defensive stocks. So right away, and then we've been a while since we've talked about war times. So you got to go back a little while. Um, but you know, I can remember I've traded through this before. We've traded through different war times before, or different worries of war, and you automatically think oil strong. You automatically think those war stocks like Lockheed Martin, RTN, NOC, General Dynamics. I just talked. Boeing is sometimes thrown in there, but Boeing's got its own thing going on and so you know it's not responding as well as it might normally and then yeah you think defensive you think gold silver usually catches a bid we have bitcoin now 
So that's catching a bit like you were saying here this morning. But really when you jump and you look at, you know, what the movers are here this morning, um, it's a rotation out of the leaders and into the defense. TLT trading substantially higher, which is obviously bad for your banks. So your banks are showing some relative weakness here this morning as well. And because oil is so high, think about all your relationships. You got to go back to, you know, your relationships 101. And when oil is trading higher, your airlines usually are substantially lower. And if you look this morning, all of your airlines like Delta, UAL are all down around 2%. So about double the market. And that's because they're sensitive to the price of oil. So the question now, Dennis, is, I guess you already asked it, but what happens when the real money comes in at 930? Yep. And uh, how, I, I guess, will they buy this dip? And, and you were saying on the, on the pre-market show, we're already off those lows, right? So we are. to an extent, we have already bought the dip. We'll bring up the S&P futures and we'll just see, or, other, or if, if you want. I've got spy. I, I'm like you. Spy's fine too. because we got spy. Yeah, and you can see, you know, we were down under 319. We're, two, we're 20 handles, so you can just take, you know, quickly if you want to do the math, 10 points on SPY or 10 points on the future is a point on your SPY. So you can just relatively say, like, we're almost 20 handles off the lows here on the overnight lows. So we've already got back a third of the losses, and we're working on trying to get back more here. So actually, I think we probably even got more than that back. So it's a substantial... Uh, bounce here already apple bring up the apple chart because um, this one uh, has been a market leader and this is something they look at and yes there is some analyst commentary here on apple probably helping it here this morning but i don't know if that's right who sold it at 285 this morning if somebody did that give your head a shake but um, i do see that it looked like it ticked down to 285 right at the four o'clock open i don't know if that was just a bad print but if we strike that trade you can see it was trading the 294 handle we're already back in the 298 handle so apple's got two-thirds of its losses already back so these money managers are coming in here already this morning and already buying the dip so does that continue after 9 30 that's still to be determined but this has been a hard market to uh, battle from the short side. The shorts have had a rough time with it. Every time we get a little bit of a dip, the money managers has come right back in buying stocks. I don't know if it's different this time. One time, sometime it will be different, but I'm not betting that this is the time. So on pullbacks here, I guess you still keep looking if you're underinvested. Maybe you're looking at opportunities to get in some of these stocks, but I mean, they're already jumping at Apple. Uh, unbelievable how resilient that stock is. And the, the events of, of last night, it, it, it's, it's funny. So they're, they're significant. It's not as if we're going to go to war tomorrow, right? We're not. Uh, but they are – so they're not significant in that way. We're not going to war like this like tomorrow. But they're not insignificant either. So don't you think that what happens today could set the tone for really the entire year in the market's ability to just shrug off any sort of – macro risk be it geopolitical be it economic whatever i mean you're what you just said is true we've seen this over and over and over again just yeah. by the dip, by the dip, by the dip. don't you think that if we if 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 at 9 45 and at 10 a.m this morning uh we're back up to where we were yesterday and the overnight dip is gone then that sets the tone for the year it, it, yeah like i mean if you if you can't get to keep the market down, you know, on the worries of war, what's going to keep the market down? So does this, you know, continue though? Like, you know, so this headline, if nothing comes of it, but you even said there was word this morning here that's just going to be, um, there's, there's that 
they're not just going to sit back. Oh, no, 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 no. So what was said this morning? You said to me right on the free pre-market show that there's already, you know, coming from the Middle East, threats against the U.S. Yeah, as you would expect, uh, uh, people from Iraq and Iran are are releasing statements saying that they will, there's going to be revenge and they call it a breach of sovereignty. And so uh, it's not... Definitely, this definitely, isn't gonna just be a go big way overnight. No. So maybe the market shrugs it off, and maybe we get all back. But this is, worry is not gonna go away. And think about you know the trade war. How many times? Okay, we think the trade war. Okay, we're getting a saw, and then boom, you know it's back us. This could stick around for a while. I mean, if there's you know a, a reaction, or if there is you know a, a revenge tactic taken here, yeah. that can knock the market down too. So you do have to be cautious. Um, if you're fully invested and you're on margin, maybe it's the time to think about lightening up. But again, as an investor, as a long-term investor in the market, you know, if you're looking at your retirement accounts, yep. I don't even shrug at this. I just, you know, hold on because every time I've been nervous about the markets before, like I said, and I've sold stocks out of my retirement account, it has been a big mistake. We're at all-time high, so it's obviously been a big mistake for everyone who's taken money out. So I'm going to hold the long-term stuff through this. But in the trading portfolio, I'll be a little cautious with the longs. But again, cautious with the shorts too. Am I coming in here and shorten stock when we're down 30 handles? It's been a losing trade every time we've for the last couple months you've done that. You know, we had the one little sell-off there in late November, early December. Three days later, they bought it right back. So it's hard to fight the tape. Trend is still intact. I'd say we get under that 320 spy. It gets more interesting. So just from a technical basis, we went down there. We tested it this morning. We did bounce already there once. Let's see. Can we hold that 320.15? That's the low from the 31st, which is only one day ago. But we know we bounced significantly off that yesterday. So can we hold that low? 320 is the first test, I would say. As long as you're above that, bulls are still in control. Okay, what would you do with oil here? So the, the last time we got a big volatility event in oil was, was a selling opportunity. Was was September? Yeah. Uh, when there was the airstrikes at the yeah. Aramco facility that knocked off half their production, apparently you knocked it offline, and within a few days we were back to where we had been. So it it the market just shrugged that one off. So that being said, what would you do with oil here? Up uh, one, what is it up? Three percent? I can't. One percent. My opinion, I'd sell it. I think this is a a rally to be sold here. Yes, you get the relief rally. Yes, if the war times continue, oil will continue to rally here. It's a big pop, though, and you made a great point there back in September. We got the ridiculous pop in the USO. It was sold off, and within two weeks, it gave it all back. Um, I think oil is just in a long-term downtrend. I do not see oil going back to $120, $150 a barrel as we got back to in like 2007. Um, there is a move here, and we've got, you've got to consider the ramifications of electrification of cars. Um, this is long-term. I, I'm just not in, I have very little oil exposure in my long-term portfolio because I'm not a believer that we are going to be you know, using you know, as much gasoline in 10 years as we use today. And obviously, oil is used for a lot of other things, but it's a dirty uh, fuel. And if you believe in global warming, there is going to be continued move away from dirty fossil fuels. And oil is one of the dirtiest, if not the dirtiest. So I think just as a long-term investor, I think every, every rally in oil, in my opinion, is to be sold. That's just my opinion, my thoughts. I, am very little, I have very little oil exposure. Um, I do believe, you know, I'm not saying I'm a Tesla. You know, it's all about Tesla. But I think all of our cars, I think in 10 years, when we go to the pumps, 
the majority of us are going to be going to these charge stations and we're going to be charging up our cars. It's not going to be the same as it used to be. There'll still be some oil, still be some gas, uh, but I think you're going to see a big movement in the next decade to electrification. It's cleaner, it's cheaper, um, at least, and I think um, that's why I'm just not a bull in oil at all going long term. Okay. Does the events of uh, last night, does that kickstart Bitcoin here? I have no comment on no Bitcoin. comment. I, okay. I, I'm not a crypto trader. Fine. I, I, I've said before, you know, and I've been a Bitcoin bear forever. Uh, but again, I, I think there is something mean, people say there's no value. It's a zero. I don't believe that. I believe there is some value here, but I don't think everybody's going to be trading. In, you know, I don't think when I look 20 years from now, everybody's going to be doing crypto transactions. First of all, it's not very efficient. We've seen that already. So I don't think it's, you know, and it's not going to replace the whole financial system. The people who believe it's replacing the financial system, feel like because crypto is not just transactions. Crypto you know, or, 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 or the financial system is not just transactions. Crypto is trying to solve that problem. But, you know, the financial system is everything else. You think about insurance. You think about how many different services the financial industry is in. So I don't think crypto's coming and banks are going away. And a point that you were making the other day, would they even, you know, it's the U.S. You know, and the government's going to allow, you know, Bitcoin to come in and take over everything in their own. That wasn't me. That was, was Anne-Marie. Anne yeah, that was Anne-Marie. So that was Anne-Marie that was making yeah. that point. And it was a great point she was making. So I, I'm not a long-term believer in any of this crypto stuff. So right. just, wondering, just wondering if a geopolitical event will kickstart yeah, it. But it help, it's helping it this morning. Yeah. You know, it's not going to hurt. Something like this is not going to hurt it. It's right. seen as an alternative here. So it's seen as some people as safety. I don't believe it's safe, but some people believe it's safe. And there's money coming into it this morning. So, uh, but I'm just not, I have zero. So I said I have very little exposure to oil. I have zero exposure to crypto. I'm going to remain zero exposed to crypto going forward. Just not a believer. Sorry, Mark Yusko. I know you, you sell pretty well and you get me thinking, but I'm just not a believer in crypto. All right, so how would you approach today, Dennis? We've got basically everything that's up, like we talked about. It's basically either gold or oil, uh, and there's like and one or, there's stocks. like one or two other stocks that are up, but everything that's up is gold or oil. I mean, everything uh, is about relationships, and when you have big movement in the overall market like this, little independent news doesn't matter as much. Like you think about last night in AMD. What a rally the stock has had. I mean, the stock is in full parabolic mode here now. It's like feeling like upside capitulation, taking off another $3 here yesterday. I mean, I believe this was an all-time high for AMD, finally getting back to where it was in the year 2000. So 20 years later, it finally gets all those losses back. Unbelievable stock. Last night, they just had to buy it again. This thing last night, after close of 49.10, traded up to 49.75 again. And then this morning, obviously the overall market pulls the rug out from under it, and boom, it's it's down. So or it, it's down here this morning. But again, I'd say fifty bucks if I'm looking at AMD and you're an AMD trader. That's the next big hurdle for AMD. But the trend is your friend. The stock is significantly higher. Is you know is it getting to a point where it's overdone? Absolutely. But you know we've seen stocks stay overdone for a long time and continue to rally. So I would just say fifty is going to be a big test for it if it gets up there again. They're buying the, the dip in it already once again here this morning. I mean, this thing dips significantly here. Again, I don't know if there's some bad ticks there at 4 a.m. open, but this thing looks like a trade under $45. I think, uh, am, am I looking at that right? Maybe I'm looking at it wrong. Uh, at uh, I'm looking, sorry. I'm looking at your chart wrong there. So uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, uh, a trade uh, down the 47 uh, handle. So it's already a buck off the lows. 
So yeah. we've already got two-thirds of the losses back in AMD. I mean, it's the same tech stocks. And really, when you think about it, how much is Apple and AMD impacted by a war? You know, these aren't like your you know, stocks that are – their earnings, you know, that are going to be hurt here because we've, you know, we've got a potential war on the table. So I don't believe, you know, that, you know, tech is like, you know, ground zero for getting hit here because of this news over in Iraq. So, and I think you're seeing money managers coming and put the money where their mouth is, and they're coming in and using this opportunity and the weakness in tech stocks here this morning to get long. Uh, we just got some Tesla news, uh, Dennis. They just came out with their uh, Q4. Oh, yeah, it's auto sales today, right? Uh, delivery and production numbers. Well, I can never remember because GM doesn't do it anymore, right, on a quarterly or is that a monthly basis? Yeah. Um, Ford, so- I believe, is today, though. Okay. Uh, well, Tesla on the schedule. Uh, Tesla Q4 production almost 105,000 deliveries, 112,000, I believe. The estimate for their deliveries was at 103, so they beat that figure there. Uh, rec- is that monthly or quarterly? This is quarterly. This is quarterly. This is quarterly. Uh, so record Q4 uh, deliveries and production in the quarter for Tesla. The deliveries number was better than estimates. And uh, there we go. We are really bouncing around here. 435, 31, the all-time high. That's your number, and then that's, that's your line in the sand. We were down this morning again. If you show the chart, everything was getting hit here this morning. It has went green, Tesla, on these results. If it continues to ride, that's your first point of resistance. It's going to be the all-time high, which is 435, 31. So keep an eye on that level. Yep, and then they reported that uh, Model S and X production, 17.9 thousand cars. Model 3 production, uh, eighty so just under 87,000 cars uh, last quarter. Uh, seems like a good number, but I don't know how you interpret that on a day like today of all days. So you're right, we're really bouncing around here. But I, I would, yeah, look, we're, we're back at... Yeah, yesterday's close, more or less. This so. is uh, this rally. This has like like Spitter saying, we're twenty two points off the lows here. I mean, we've gotten half the losses back already. It's eight twenty in the morning, and they've already used this. Like every dip is just so hungry. The money managers are so hungry for any dip, and they get this forty five point sell off overnight, and they're just licking their chops. Now it's only a twenty five point sell off. I mean, it's amazing how much how often these dips get bought. And again, you know, the buy the dip. That has been the best strategy for the last decade. Continues. It's working here again this morning. Whether it continues to work, I don't know here today, but it's working so far. So that tells you that, and actually, by, by the way, because it's it, it's a Friday after New Year's, I mean, is real money even in, in the market? That's are, a good point are, you're making are, too. Are people even back from their dip? From their no, dip? I don't think so. Kramer was tweeting out, you know, and he's, I don't know where he is, but it looks like someplace tropical, looks like Hawaii <laughs> or something. But I mean, so he's still out. I mean, you yeah. know, the, the big day where Joel caught him, all the big money, the big money oh, is still out here. Joel's not Just here. The big money is not guys that are, are actually, there's no need to, we need to, you know, right. <laughs> we need these uh, to trade every single day to pay our bills. So anyways, the big wigs are not here. They're coming back on Monday. So it's a good point. You're going to see real trading action, a lot more, you know, of uh, the big players coming in on Monday. So this is going to be an interesting weekend. You know, what happens? Are people nervous? Do they want to be hedged over the weekend? Do they want to be long? Do they think the money, big money is going to come back with their buying shoes on on Monday? All these questions to be answered. Are there going to be any you know, ramifications here? Are there going to be retaliations? There's so many questions to be answered. But again, there has been a lot of questions in this market for the last couple of years. 
and the market has always climbed that wall of worry. Yeah, and the fact that this has happened uh, so quickly, uh, the first attack in, in this most recent chain of events was Saturday. Uh, the embassy was stormed, I believe, on, on Tuesday. So within a week here, we've escalated from zero to 60. And, you know, that happens fast. That's not unusual, but it just kind of goes to show just how quick this can turn. Uh, yesterday, everything was great. And we didn't even talk about this yesterday, but uh, one year ago yesterday, Dennis, do you know what? What, ha- what happened? Uh, do, you, do you know what the, the, the big news of the day was when you were going Apple. Yes, it was Apple. It was I Apple. Know, because I didn't buy the stock that day, and I should have. It was Apple coming out with a profit warning, their first in, in what was it, like eight years? Yeah. Something crazy like that. Yeah. And they, they, they lowered their Q1 sales guidance last January. Yeah. And look, look at that. Think about that. The start of the year on day two, we have Apple issues a profit warning, and it trades down to a low of 142, and that was the low for the entire year. For the year. And then straight up for the entire year, and it has one of its best years ever, mm-hmm. or at least, you know, in a long time. It's not, long quite, Apple not, doubled quite not quite straight up, but close. Yeah, it, well, we had a few pullbacks in there, but, I mean, so there, you know, right off the bat, you think, oh, it's going to be a rough year for Apple, you know, starting the year like this. No, no, it was a great year for Apple. Yeah. So that was a buying opportunity. So money managers might be looking at that too, thinking, ah, oh, a little pullback here in the market on day two of trading. Maybe we got to use this opportunity to get long because it sure worked last year. Hard uh, to fight this bullish sentiment. And it's still out there. I mean, it's showing you, there's the fear is already, like, I mean, we had fear here overnight in the futures yeah. selling this around. Look where we've come back already. I mean, we're not even, we're an hour before the open. We already got half the losses back. The, the, the market is just so resilient. That's what I'll just say. This is the most resilient market that we've had. But if you're looking and if you think you know we're coming back, think about what stocks were strong yesterday because you're getting a significant dip in everything. So if you want to be long, buy the stocks that maybe were you know, the strongest yesterday. Think about Amazon. Amazon had a fabulous day yesterday. It was up, what, 80 points or something? It was up significantly. Uh, at the close how much was amazon up yesterday 60 points? uh yeah what was the what was the open there well, i'm just trying to look it closed the previous day team four it was up 50 at least 50 points so big move and you're getting a 20 it's down 25 points here still maybe that's the stock you want to own maybe it's an amazon that you're using to buy the dip you know are you coming in here if you're buying the laggards like the retail stocks that were dipping yesterday i mean they're laggards for a reason. And it was very interesting. Like, we would have had an interesting show even without all this news over in the Middle East because you saw a lot of rotation happening yesterday. You saw a classic rally to Fang, the Facebook, Amazon, um, not so much Netflix, but well, even Netflix and Google uh, were up significantly yesterday. And you saw a rally or a sell off in some of those stocks that had rallied in December, like your retailers. Your retailers had a horrible day yesterday. Kohl's, awful day. Macy's clo- opened up tanked all day nordstrom and then you can just go into the other retailers as well retail had a really really rough day yesterday so if you're looking at dips this morning i would not be buying the dips in the retailers i'd be buying the dips in the stocks that were strong yesterday like your amazons um like your facebook's your apple dip is already almost gone it's only down a dollar or two dollars here now so i mean that's what they're going to come into i think what what is going on i just put up that g-o-o-g chart and is that a what what kind of a tick is that? Oh, that's just an, that that's from uh, yesterday close. So that's when you see these ticks, right. 
FINRA, and you see that price like that, that's an old, that's a, that's a cross from the previous day's close. Okay. So it's probably late to report. So FINRA is an off exchange trade. That's an off exchange trade. It could have been reported. You know, it could have happened yesterday across the close because it was at the closing price. That exact tick is the closing price. So it was probably some type right. of cross right. from the close. Just okay. getting reported to the tape now. So you got to ignore that. It's not really on the tape. 1353.80 is offered. So it's still down 14 bucks. Okay. But again, Google, great day yesterday. It was up like 25 points. So that's the kind of stock that they're probably going to come into again, if you think we're getting it all back. I still have not determined whether I think we're going to get all the losses back here today. So, you know, I, I'm, well, you sound pretty I'm bullish not liquidating to me. my portfolio either. You sound pretty bullish to me. Okay, so that I've got to clarify. I don't know. I'm sitting on the fence here. Bullish, bearish, long-term bullish, yes. Long-term right, Well, right, that's a given. As a trader here, I'm completely hedged right now. I'm okay. flat. I haven't decided if I you know, want to come in. But if I was, and if I wanted to add stocks in my long-term portfolio, I'd be adding the stocks that were strong yesterday. Um, because those are the ones that are having significant dips and maybe an opportunity to get in. I've, you know, like an Amazon, uh, Facebook, like that whole Facebook, Netflix, Google. I mean, not so much Netflix because I've talked about that, but they had a good day yesterday too. Those are the kind of stocks that money managers will probably come into if the market is going to continue to rally. Now, here's a question. And, and the other thing is what I want to say is the defensive stocks were very weak yesterday too. So not only retailers, we talked about this on the show yesterday and I was saying like the Cokes and the Procter Gambles. I'm like, those kind of stocks are not the stocks that go up when you, know, you were ripping you know, 30 handles higher on the S&P and you're thinking you know, you're going to this next big bull market. Those are not the stocks they're going to buy. So you get an opportunity here this morning, maybe like XLU, horrible day yesterday. Maybe it rallies a little bit. TLT showed some strength. Maybe get a little rally in some of the utility stocks. I think that rally is to be sold. So I would use this opportunity to maybe sell some of those, um, you know, like the Procter Gamble, some of the consumer staples. Think about your XLP components and your XLU components. If they're getting a rally here today because we're all of a sudden worried and you know, it's getting defensive, I think those stocks are the ones to be sold, in my opinion. I just want to clarify real fast because we use the word defensive interchangeably a lot. Defensive, the, the word defensive in our context refers to the defensive sectors, utilities, consumer staples. Defense, defense stocks refers to like Lockheed Martin, yeah. Grumman, Raytheon, defense contract companies, right? Con stocks, individual names that are in the, the business of, of, of war essentially. Uh, so there's a slight difference in defense as, as how as we refer to it, defense versus defensive. Defensive meaning defensive sectors, staples, utilities. Uh, defense meaning individual companies, Lockheed Martin, uh, Raytheon, etc. Um, here's a question, Dennis. Does this kickstart? Is this the 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 catalyst energy needs to kickstart in 2020? No, I I, I just went into this. <laughs> Uh, I'm 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 not a believer that this is going to be 2020 is going to be the year of oil. But the XLE, the XLE. Uh, I mean, it's it, they've come back nicely. It's come back off the lows, you know, fairly nicely. It's having a nice uh, rally here too. But let's put this all in perspective. I mean, go long term. 2014, the XLE was 100 bucks. It's 61 now. So in the last seven years, think about this. In the last seven years, SPY has went from 170 up to like 325. So you could say. We're up like 80% in the last you know, six years. So it's a significant rally. Actually, we're up more than that. So if I'm doing the math just quick, we're almost doubled. Basically, in the last six years, we've almost doubled on the S&P. And that same time, the XLE is down 35%. 
The relative strength is still terrible here. I believe the reason for that is still the electrification of cars. I think we're moving away from oil. So I'm not a believer in oil. I think every rally you get in oil stocks is to be sold. That is my opinion. I'm going to stay bearish oil uh, for a, a long time. It's going to take a lot of convincing to me to get me to believe that we're not going to be going full electric here eventually on most of our vehicles. Uh, what are the balances saying right now? They're sell. They're, they're mostly sell. So we can just they are sell. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're sells for sure. Two hundred thirty-three thousand sell in General Electric. GE fabulous day yesterday. Wow. That really ripped it. And it got right up to these big psychological whole numbers. Twelve bucks. That's the next big hurdle for GE. But that's a classic. You know. Okay. January effect when laggard stock. Maybe this is going to turn into a leader. Um, so I'm not surprised that that one shows some life in the last. Uh, no, in the first week or two. Still not a long-term believer in GE though. So you're not going to get me that bullish. But short term. On a pullback here, probably not a bad trade. Gets through 12, starts to open up again. And, but this morning, like I said, 213,000 to sell. The banks have selling balances because the TLT is so strong. Mm-hmm. Bank of America, 109,000 to sell. Citigroup, 42,000 to sell. Morgan Stanley, 47,000 to sell. Wells Fargo, 79,000 to sell. Banks are showing some relative weakness here. Oil stocks are strong. We talked about them all morning. ExxonMobil, 92,000 to buy. That's obviously just showing strength there as well. Um, the other ones are mostly to the south side because we're still down substantially here. So it's not surprising that you're going to get mostly selling balances when the futures are still down 28 points. All right, let's let's get to some other news such that it exists this morning uh, because you know there is other stuff going on besides this macro war theme. Okay, uh, what do you got? And, and you discussed retail briefly, Dennis. We do have one rating I want to hit this morning. Sure. Uh, Bank America is upgrading L Brands to buy. So, what, obviously th- this will trade, like you said, this will trade with the rest of the market today, but an upgrade will help. I will not fade this. I don't believe in the L Brands long-term story. I like the dividend 6.67%, but I don't believe that lingerie is coming back in the favor as much as it used to be. Obviously, Victoria's Secrets being one of the biggest you know, revenue streams for L brands. That being said, this has the potential to squeeze them a bit. We saw what happened with Rite Aid you know, when that started getting squeezing. So I'm probably not going to trade it. I think longer term, L brands is still lower, but that could easily squeeze it to 19 or 20 bucks. So I'm not going to jump in here and short at 18 and then get the hell squeezed out of me. This is probably a no touch for me because I don't like the long-term thesis. I'm not on board with the Bank America upgrade here. But that being said, I don't want to get squeezed either. So I'm going to stay away. Next. And, and we do have some drug news this morning. Insight, I-N-C-Y. Yeah. Uh, a drug that I'm not going to pronounce. Did not statistic- You're good at pronouncing these things, though. Yeah, not today. Give it a, stab, give it a stab at it. No, I'm going to butcher it horribly. You're good at it. I butcher it. I don't even get like the, all the consonants and vowels right. At least you're, you usually make it sound right. I don't even know. Ida Sitinib. I, I, don't, I don't know. You did pretty good. Ida Sitinib. <laughs> Butchered that one. Um, in any case, the trial did not meet the primary endpoint. Phase yeah. three study. That's the news this morning uh, on, on Insight. Got the beats last night, still down. So this was one of the storied stocks from last night before, obviously, this um, the bombings here took all the headlines away from it. Um, 72.25. That's low. Actually, if I go 72 bucks, low from September. That's a level that it absolutely needs to hold. These things can be funny. Sometimes they sell them off a bit and then they buy them back anyways. 
Um, I don't follow the stock fundamentally close enough to tell you anything more on the technicals, but I can tell you there's major support down there in the 72 handle because not only did we get down there in September, if you go to your monthlies, we got back down there in April last year too. So we basically have two lows right there in that same area. So I would say 72. Overnight, I believe we got down to the 73 handle, so we didn't quite get down there. If for whatever reason it continues to sell off, I'd expect a bounce in that 72 area. All right, it is 8.35, so let's bring on our guest today, Chris Temple. He's the editor and publisher of The National Investor. He's good micro and macro. Uh, Chris, good morning and uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, fellas. How, well, actually, so when we booked you, we had no idea it was going to be such an interesting macro day. So how are you interpreting the events of last night uh, and this morning, I guess? Well, Spencer, when you have something like this happen, you need to see how this affects your core theses on the markets and on different asset classes. Does it make a story better? Uh, does it give you pause? You have to step back and wait for the, the dust to clear, so to speak. Uh, Dennis, you made some great comments. I've been listening to you guys on energy. Um, I'm one who has also been very standoffish with energy. I just added back energy products. Uh, or Enterprise Products Partners, EPD, to my income list because it had gone down about 15% from when I told people to sell it last summer. And I've frankly been looking at energy stocks a bit more as candidates perhaps to extend their late year bounce. But I'll tell you, if you like energy stocks as a theme, this is the very last reason you want to see oil go up because this actually harms prospects for global growth. Because the only thing that is going to help energy is that we are going to see a global reflation trade continue to build, less worry about trade and stuff like that. This doesn't do that any good. So uh, on energy, at least uh, I'm with you, Dennis. But uh, everything else I've talked about recently, even before last night, I believed that the rise in long-term yields is over and that during 2020, we will work downward again in long-term yields. This actually strengthens that case. So that's one sector I can say that this news is meaningful in making what I already believed stronger. What about so you're positioning yourself for, you know, let's just, you know, forget about the news here overnight here. Let's just look overall at your thoughts here. Entering 2020, I mean, yesterday we're ripping the new all-time highs. We get a little pullback overnight here on some worries about the war here. How are you positioning overall going into 2020 though? I'm expecting in the very near term, the market to give back a fair bit of what it made uh, last year, especially late in the year. Noteworthy, and you guys spoke to this also yesterday, was the Russell 2000 was actually down uh, at the same time the Dow and the S&P and NASDAQ were up. So this has been a rally of late that again, has gotten top heavy in a smaller number of the big cap growth and momentum stocks. Uh, I think they're extremely vulnerable. I believe you're going to get a correction. You know, nothing to do with what happened with Soleimani getting uh, killed last night, uh, that that was what we were going to have. And then the question really going forward, guys, is are we going to have uh, a great sag, as Ray Dalio calls it, a slow, dull ache, as I call it, where the economy bogs down more, the market has a harder time making any gains, but everything at least holds together. Or is there still some danger uh, somewhere in the world of a financial or systemic issue? Uh, the, and, and I still think that there's a chance of that. So uh, I've been getting heavier into value stocks. We're adding back to our yield plays. 
I love the gold space. We're heavier in that uh, than we've been in, in several years, and that's going to increase further because under any scenario going forward, gold is going to do well. But uh, generally speaking, I'm, I'm ambivalent to slightly bearish on the overall stock market for the foreseeable future. So let's talk about those gold names. What gold names do you like? Well, as far as the average person is concerned, where they don't want to have to research a lot of companies, you know, you, you, the, the standby or the fallback positions, if you will, are GDX and GDXJ, the two major uh, unleveraged um, ETFs that are in gold stocks. Both of them have recently met their highs from this past summer. Uh, the gold itself may bog down here a bit because we're running into what has been major overhead resistance around 1570 an ounce, give or take a little bit. So I wouldn't be chasing this too much now. But you know, those, those, are, those are easy, no-brainer ways for people who are relatively unsophisticated about gold stocks to play it. Beyond that, uh, as far as individual names, Spencer, uh, you've got to ask yourself what is going to mean something business-wise to the sector going forward. If you're looking at exploration companies, who has the projects that are farther along than their peers that a BHP Billiton or a Newmont Mining or someone like that is going to want to buy? Because one of the underlying stories in the gold sector is that grades are falling. Uh, you've got what some people term as peak gold, where there's not enough new mine development on tap to meet the man going forward. And so, you know, there's, there's a million different little junior companies out there that have got a story to tell, and most of them are garbage. And uh, in the past, you've known that a move in the gold sector is getting long in the tooth when garbage companies go up with the rest. We're not there right now by any means. But I think the one on this continent that has got to be at the top of anybody's list is Seabridge Gold. Uh, it's SA on the New York Stock Exchange, SEA in Toronto. They have got one of the largest undeveloped uh, gold and copper projects in the world, 40 million some odd ounces of gold and proven and probable reserves. I forget how many zillion pounds of copper, but a lot of it up in British Columbia. And as time has gone on, they have continued to build that resource, lower the initial expected costs. And because this thing has taken on a character as much as a copper play as well, and copper's long-term are very bullish. I don't like it right this very second. Long-term, it's, it's very attractive. Uh, when you use copper as a byproduct credit, their current economic assessment of their KSM project is that they're all in sustaining costs for gold around $300 an ounce. So this is going to be a Cadillac of a project going forward. Somebody is either going to JV or just buy them out one or the other uh, one of these days here. But that stock at its current valuation is absurdly cheap based on its uh, re reserves that it has. Uh, let's move on to some other sectors here, uh, Chris. I know you have some names in retail and biotech that you're eyeing. Uh, tell us about those. Well, biotech is one of my favorite areas because you've got some great human interest stories. You've got some uh, ability for some huge gains. You just put up Sarepta. That's the gift that keeps on giving for our members. The very first time that I ever recommended that company, it was known as ABI Biopharma and based out in the Pacific Northwest. That was 21 years ago, believe it or not. And we traded in and out based on news. You know, the stock is biotechs always do. They're very news sensitive. They'll run up, they'll double or triple, you sell it, you wait for it to go back down. 
But then they hit the big time. We got back in in 2012. The stock was under two bucks a share. By the fall, it was 60 when they came out with their first big trial results on Etepherson, which is now marketed under the name Exondus 51. They recently had their second Duchenne muscular dystrophy drug approved by the FDA after it was first shot down. In fact, we got out near mid-year near that peak. Uh, the stock cratered because the FDA threw a monkey wrench into things. We got back in around 80 and we've ridden it back up since. So, um, you know, and then last week, if you guys saw this, and I hope you talked about it, it was actually not last week, the two days before Christmas, they announced the single biggest licensing deal in the history of Biopharma with uh, one of their gene uh, therapy offerings where Roach, the big uh, Swiss biopharma company made a big deal with Sureptus. So this, you know, I wouldn't be putting new money in here now because I think after the run that it's had, you're going to see some vulnerability to the downside. Maybe that second gap on the chart there, we could go down to 115 bucks or so. Long-term though, this is a Cadillac. This is the leader in its space in RNA technology, and it's still got a very, very bright future ahead of it. And what about in retail? Well, retail, as a lot of people have pointed out, you know, you've kind of had the a tale of two cities, if you will, in the U.S. economy. Manufacturing stinks, uh, and that's going to continue to a great extent, I think, whether this cockamamie phase one deal with China gets signed and approved by Congress or it doesn't. But there's still a lot of liquidity. Consumers are still in relatively better shape than they were at the peak uh, in 2007. So there's a lot of retailers that I think um, are, are very compelling. I had the sense to tell people after watching it for quite a while to buy a company called Big Lots when it was near its low recently under 20 bucks. Now the stock's up around 28. In my opinion, this should be a 45 or $50 stock. It's got a still a 4% plus dividend yield. It's, it's really a transition type of store. I don't want to take a lot of time on this, guys, but... Big Lots is the kind of a dollar type store or discount store that you're not ashamed to go into uh, as you might be some others who will remain nameless, let me put it that way. Uh, they're quality, nicely laid out stores. They've done a super job at using uh, furniture and, and really nice discounts on furniture is a hook to get people in to buy groceries and things like that. So Big Lots is becoming in some ways a target junior. Uh, and I think it's really unappreciated. It's an unsung stock. It's already had a nice uh, rally since we got in, but I think it's got much farther to go. I think their next quarterly report after the Christmas season uh, are going to surprise some people. Uh, as far as grocers, my favorite grocer continues to be Ingalls Markets. Nice family-run uh, North Carolina-based operation. That thing's already up about 50% since I added it back, and I still like it going forward. Not only does it have better metrics and numbers than most uh, publicly traded grocers, but they also have a big slug of real estate in the Southeast US, which is the hottest demographic area of the United States. Uh, question from our chat here, Chris, do you have any thoughts on AbbVie? Uh, AbbVie, it's interesting you bring that up because I recommended that when it was near its low. I still think it's got a long ways to go for a while there. Uh, mid last year, the market was looking way too pessimistically at its uh, buyout of Allergen. And they've realized now that AbbVie knew what it was doing. It's still a great company, still a very healthy dividend yield. So that's a name that I think can uh, 
can go up further. And, and in fact, if we see in 2020 what I'm expecting, and that is a, a broad stock market that's going to be hard-pressed to get any gains, and it's going to be a market environment that forces people to actually be investors again, rather than just close their eyes and pay, play the passive gain. This is a stock that still, even after its run from last summer, is going to get some attention. Its fundamentals are still very compelling. One uh, all, big name also that I, I liked, I recommended it, but we already sold it um, because you've got to pick and choose is CBS. CBS is a good company. It's been a good rebound story, but that already met our price target. And so that's one, uh, you know, not, not a direct corollary to AbbVie, uh, but CBS is one that I, I'd wait for pullback on before I'd buy it again. And so what you just said is, is important, I think, shouldn't be overlooked. You, it, you sold it because it hit your target and you're out. And that's important, I think, to to remember when talking about individual names. Like I, have, I have enough trouble, Spencer, with the, the few cannabis stocks I've recommended that have all been destroyed, uh, not having sense enough sometimes, no one right. to get the hell out. So at least right. on CBS, I did. Yeah. What are your thoughts on cannabis stocks? I mean, they had a pretty good rally a couple of days ago. They gave a lot of it back yesterday. What are your thoughts here going forward? You know, this is, I, I'm glad that I've only got a few companies, one of which has done pretty well actually of late, but a few other ones have just been a dog's breakfast. And I still have got a lot of faith in the industry. There's been a lot more growing pains than people thought. A lot of people, a lot of companies promised too much, ran into one kind of problem or another. Uh, this is an industry that's here to stay. I have no question about that. And I'm revisiting not only the few that I've recommended, but looking at some other possibilities. And more so, Dennis, in the corollary industries. Uh, you know, who, who are the companies out there that are going to help cannabis growers achieve better economies of scale and better competitive margins and whatnot against their peers? But, you know, in an environment, and granted we're talking about government, but when the province of Ontario can lose their rear end uh, with the state-run industry up there, you know, it doesn't speak well for the whole industry, at least yet. So there's a lot more growing pains than I think people anticipated. Uh, cannabis stocks, uh, sadly, even though I think there's more substance, were kind of like Bitcoin for a while. People just bought them based on excitement and greed and the greater fool theory, and a lot of people got burned. A dog's breakfast. I like that. <laughs> a dog's regurgitated breakfast, yeah. maybe. <laughs> oh, Chris, I almost forgot. Before I let you go, um, I want to... Hope, hoping you can interpret this uh, cartoon for us. Oh, yeah. I sent you that late last night or whenever, Spencer. This is going to be the underlying story for the Federal Reserve this year. Uh, Jerome Powell told us in 2019 that he was cutting interest rates three times as insurance because we had the trade war, we had uncertainty and all that kind of stuff. And in case anybody out there uh, in, in our audience missed this, he recently changed the reasons for those three rate cuts. Now that we ostensibly have the trade war, at least a, a truce and uh, this phase one thing, such as it is, we don't know the details yet. Uh, and, you know, Brexit is, is now going to be a fait accompli, although that still is going to bog down, I think, this year. You know, why is he not raising interest rates again? We've got the stock market as of yesterday at all-time highs. The U.S. economy is still meandering reasonably well. But no, now the, now the chairman of the Fed has told us that he needs to get inflation pushed up. But here's the problem, guys. And we, 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 I wish we had time to talk about this in depth today. 
people have to understand inflation, not in 1970s terms, but in the terms that were first given us by the now late Paul Volcker when he did a 180 as far as how he ran the Fed along about 1982. And that is inflation first starts with asset prices. And the Fed hopes and policymakers hope that enough of that wealth effect trickles down to the real economy to help people service the ever-growing debts. So for people now looking at the Fed, for example, all this money that it threw at the repo market through the end of last year and saying, oh, gee, any minute now the, the, the uh, predictions of the hyperinflationists who are saying that the dollar, you know, we're going to be using wheelbarrows to carry our money around. We're, we're going to see gold at 25000 an ounce and all that kind of stuff. They kind of missed the boat. If you were looking for inflation, what about the S&P 500 from the bottom in 2009 going from 670 to 3200 and change? What about the notion of value of derivative contracts back into the quadrillion of dollars globally again, a new all-time high? The CLOs, the junk bonds, all the rest of it. If you were looking for inflation, we've had it for 10 or 11 years since the end of the financial crisis uh, and the Fed still is somehow to try and get us all servicing the ever-growing debt, trying to stoke more consumer price inflation, which for a variety of reasons ain't going to happen. It hasn't worked in Japan. It hasn't worked in Europe. It will not work here. Uh, the danger, as you see from that cartoon, is that as the Fed is trying to continue pushing on a string, generating more money creation and inflation, uh, as they see it, the next reversal, such as we had in 2008, is what looms now. We don't know what's going to trigger it, but that is the next major move is not a big rise in inflation as we remembered it from the 70s. It's going to be another deflationary episode as all of these bubbles start to lose their air again. All right. Chris Temple is the editor and publisher of The National Investor. He's on Twitter at Nat Investor. Chris, as always, thanks for your time. And we'll talk to you again later in the year. Take care, fellas. Thanks, Chris. All right. 8.52. Uh, Dennis, we do have an earnings report this morning, if you can believe it. Really? Yes, we do. Lamb Wesson, they, they make potatoes, right? You've seen them in the store, probably. Uh, they reported uh, Q2 EPS, 95 cents. This is adjusted EPS, 95 cents versus an 84 cent estimate. Sales also beat at 1.1 billion versus 964 million. They also raised their adjusted EBITDA guidance this year. It's a good report for LW. Stock is trading higher here, $87. You have all those pesky highs that it's trading above. If you are bullish of stock, you do not want to see it get back down below 86.59, which is the high of the move. You want to see it hold on to that. I don't know if this is stock compiling into, even though the report is good. Again, a little bit defensive. Um, yeah. Food stock. I'm in food stock. Yeah, it's kind of stock I'd actually probably be more inclined to sell. So um, it has hardly traded here this morning. I know it's a good report. Maybe it can give it a little bit of life for a bit, but and it's been an awesome trend. I just think it's long in the tooth, and it's not. I don't think this is the kind of stock that's going to lead us in the next big bull market charge. So I'm. I think I, I have a hard time getting on the bull train on this one. I think it's a fair assessment. I, I don't think a potato company will lead, will lead to the market. Been an unbelievable performer, though, really, since the summer. Sure. Stock went from 60 sure. to 87. But if you're buying it now, you're buying somebody else's profits. Yep. Yep. Speaking of unbelievable performers, or actually not, not anymore, but Wingstop, uh, which has taken a haircut uh, of late, uh, is catching an upgrade this morning from Wedbush to Outperform. 
Whoa, crazy, uh, crazy trading day for that yesterday. Um, I'm not sure what happened off the open, but did this have news or something? Because it went from 86 to 81 in a matter of, I, I did not notice this, so I'm just seeing this now for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the first 15. I didn't see anything. There. I didn't see anything. I don't know if there was a, I don't know if there's a catalyst or not. Um, but anyways, that's an unbelievable. So it came all the way back. Now it gets the upgrade. I think you get people nervous probably around yesterday's high. 86.99 so that'd be the first stopping point on this upgrade you get above that you do have a level up at 88.59 and then you get into the 90 area so you start to get a little bit thicker it thickens up up here so um there is room to 90 uh but again that candle yesterday spooks me a bit and that's pretty much it for the ratings uh, very quiet as you'd expect uh, on a friday uh, other headlines i want to hit real quick uh acor uh, Acor is up on news that uh, Stephen A. Cohen's 0.72 has taken a passive stake in the company. It was a uh, 9.8% stake in Accorda Therapeutics. That was from, from yesterday after the close. Uh, so you're seeing that's their catalyst for that this morning. And uh, ILMN called off their deal. Uh, the ILMN PACB deal uh, has been called off. Uh, and Illumina will pay uh, Pacific Biosciences $98 million in a termination fee. So those are just... ACB not selling off on that. It sold off a bit last night, but got the losses right back. So I guess they're okay with that. Yep, just two smaller uh, movers this morning. Uh, headlines, I guess, uh, within the midst of this overall... What is an overall very volatile uh, morning? Uh, so, Dennis, we're just about at the end of our show. Uh, how Markets have things have calmed down? Yeah, that. it se- it seems to be that way. So, how has the last hour or so? Um, we're just kind of hanging out. So, we overshot overnight, staying down forty-five or fifty handles wherever we got down to there. We've overshot. Now we're kind of just in the middle of you know, in the middle of the range, really. So, you know, do we go down? Do we retest the lows? Or do we continue at 9.30 to see by the buy the dippers come in? I would keep Apple on my screen, even if you're not an Apple trader. Keep it on your screen because it is a market leader here right now. If Apple can turn around and start to get more of the losses back, and yes, we have some positive commentary from some analysts here once again in Apple, but keep that stock on your screen because it can be an indicator for the overall market. Um, and then obviously, you know, you got to look, you know, just at you know other catalysts here too. The TLT is starting to weaken off a little bit from its eyes, but uh, overall, when I'm looking at imbalances here this morning, you're seeing about right. And we're we're down 30 points. You're seeing everything with a pretty good selling balance. N- no standouts. What I will say is some of those defensive trades where you think, oh, well, maybe they'll buy the Procter and Gamble's a Coke. You're not really seeing that. You're seeing them actually down. Johnson and Johnson, which is sometimes seen as a defensive stock, and sometimes can actually go up in a, in a bad tape. It's trading down a buck eighteen. It's actually got eighty-two thousand to sell. So there's a significant seller off the hop there too. Procter Gamble thirty-one thousand to sell. Coke thirty-six thousand to sell. So you're not seeing that overall, you know, whole XLP components holding up that well as sometimes you do see on these days. So I think the theme for me going forward is I look at what was happening yesterday before all this news hit the tape. And if I'm buying stocks, um, if, I, if I was going to buy stocks, I would probably be buying, on the dips, I would probably be buying those ones that were leaders yesterday. I would not be buying the dips in stocks like Coke and, Pep, and Pepsi and Procter and Gamble because I think there's, um, I still think this bull market is not done here yet. And I think these are stocks 
that are seen more as defensive and they might show a little bit of life today. So that's why I'd almost be a, a seller of those rallies. XLU, same story. Ugly candle yesterday. Get some of those losses back today. I think you have sellers over overhead. So I actually like XLU from the short side if it can rally here a little bit today. Uh, Dennis, don't look now, but Tesla uh, yeah. is is holding Ripping up through to new all time highs it's again. I, up and I, I guess I guess you could say it stopped at four forty for now. It kissed four forty and now it's pulled back here. But now again. This stock is just so resilient. Why fight the tape on this? Everybody wants to short this thing, thinking it's eventually going bankrupt. I'll tell you, it's a long ways away from anything like that happening here. The stock is just hot. It's still squeezing shorts. There's no reason to think that the story is over here. So I, I've said you know, on the show, I, think I, could see this, I could see this thing. I'm not in it, but I could see it five or 600 bucks. I could see that happening. Big test. Big test for it here is not the this year. This year, I could see this thing hitting five hundred dollars. See, I could see it here five hundred dollars this quarter. Yes, yeah, I, I think it's unbelievable. So it's yeah. hard to fight the tape in this. There's still so many people that are bearish. This thing, those yeah. people all got to wash out. There's still a lot of people short. What's the short interest on this? It just like I hear Tesla at five hundred. I I I can't even like comprehend that because of it's 436 it was wow. 250 i know i know i know i just think it'd be a 500 stock in my head tesla still a 280 if you're shorting <laughs> it here i still think you're early i'm not in it i have no position no options nothing because i can't stomach it but if i was going to you know i'd be a buyer pullbacks on tesla if i was making if i had to make a position in it. the stock just continues to outperform We'll see what it does. Again, 435 is going to be big. Let's see if it can open over that and hold that number. If I'm bullish, you know, I want to see it hold over 435 here today. But this stock just gets bought. All right, that'll be it for our show uh, for the day and for the week. Thanks to our guest, Chris Temple. Thanks to everyone in our chat. Uh, catch our podcast or rewatch our show on youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you with Joel on Monday. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 